is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. If you feel like you're far from salvation right now, I cannot tell you how close you are to a divine shift, not because of your works, but because of grace of God, because of the gift that He wants to give you that, yeah, you don't deserve it. Don't ever feel like you deserve it because you've lost it then. The grace of God that's presented to you as a, as, as a gift. Um, I can tell you of my own salvation experience, but you know what? You've heard it many, many, many times. But I want to tell you of the daily, the daily coming before God and saying, God, I've screwed up. And it's almost like I'm having like a, a born-again experience every day and every time I come to Him because His grace, His grace, His grace is more than enough. And, and the Bible says that our God is rich in mercy. He's not a pauper. He's not bankrupt in mercy. He's rich in mercy. And if you're sitting over here, and as I've been sharing this with you, you're recognizing in your own spirit that you've subscribed to a broken system. That's grace. That's grace to make this divine shift in you. But look at this, Paul. Let's get back to him. Look at the dogs. Look out for the dogs. And look out for the evildoers. Isn't this crazy that he's calling these, quote-unquote, keeping the law people evildoers because self-righteousness is evil. It's evil. And like I told you earlier, we've been created and saved for good works, but when, you, when your good works outweigh the blood of Jesus, that's evil. That's self-righteousness. And one of the ways you know when your works has outweighed the grace is when you stick your nose up at other people who are failing and falling, and you don't look at them with grace. The Bible tells us, Jesus tells us that those who have been forgiven much love much, but I've realized that that's not the case with everybody. And you see that even when Jesus cleansed the ten lepers, how many came back? Not all of them. Those who have been forgiven much don't always love much. Oftentimes, those who have been forgiven much turn their nose against others who are living the same lifestyle that they were living and judge them and criticize them and drive them out of the church. Why? Because they're depending on their works and no longer on grace. Paul calls them evildoers. Mark Twain apparently once said, after being around some religious folks, I now understand why Jesus likes spending time with tax collectors and sinners. <laughs> because religious folks, man, they're boring to be around, man. And you know what? It's not just boring to be around. They're dangerous to be around. Because they will bully you. They will break you down. And they'll make you just like them to follow works and stop depending on grace. One of the ways that self-righteous people will bully you is they will constantly keep heading out at the freedom that you're living in. And they will say, you know, you're, 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 not, you're not being a good example to others. Or, you know, like, man, you, you're, little too, you know, you're little too free during worship. You're a little too free in your prayer. You've got to get a little bit more. You've got to have reverence before God. I'm like, I'll have all the reverence before God, but I want to dance in His presence too, man. So calm down. Okay? A gospel that takes away from grace to works is cursed. It's evil and it demands uh, works which is directly opposed to grace. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. And then what does he say? Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. What do you think he's talking about? That's what you would think, right? Um, but what he's actually talking about is mutilating of the flesh. So he, he's, he's implying circumcision, but the word he's using away, sorry to go all Greek on you, but it's katatomi, which is interesting because the next verse he's going to be talking about circumcision. Okay? So he's saying, watch out for those who mutilate the flesh because they're asking for circumcision, but he says it's not circumcision, it's mutilation. Very interesting and funny because very clearly in the Bible, it says that a believer, those who serve God, should not mutilate their flesh. Leviticus chapter 21 verse 5, it says they should not make bald patches on their heads like the Hindu priests do nor shave the edges of their beards, nor make any cuts on their bodies or mutilate their, their bodies. If you remember when Elijah is up on Mount Carmel and he's, you know, having this, this crazy, um, you know, what do you call it, challenge with the prophets of Baal. You remember what they do? They cut themselves in 1 Kings 18, 28, and they cried out 
aloud and cut themselves after their customs with swords and lances, that spears and javelins, until the blood gushed out upon themselves. That's a pagan ritual to mutilate yourself. And, 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 what, and what Paul is saying is, he says, these guys are not circumcising themselves, they're mutilating themselves because they're following a broken system, not the grace of God. It's crazy uh, because Paul is saying, what these guys are asking you to do is actually demonic rituals that's not doesn't have anything to do with the grace of God. These Judaizers followed the believers even in Galatia, and he says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 12, as for those agitators, interesting words, isn't it? Dogs, evildoers, agitators, mutilators. I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Hey, man, why just take a little off the top? Just chop the whole thing off, you know? I'd be like, yeah, you know, I don't know. That would be kind of crazy, but hey, that's in the Bible. I mean, it's, it is funny. He's like, hey, listen, uh, by the way, when we went through the book of Galatians when I was a youth pastor, it was, it was great, man. I mean, the youth group grew. You know, they're like, hey, this pastor's talking about some real stuff. You know, it's crazy. But it made me really wonder, how in the world did this church who was so legalistic, how, how did they manage to, you know, to actually check on that? Like, what, did they have a greeter by the door being like, excuse me, sir, we want to make sure you actually belong to this church. It's weird. That's what broken systems do. It's weird. It's crazy. Anyways, Genesis chapter 17, we see that circumcision was actually a good thing. It was prescribed by God to the very first believer who was Abraham. Genesis 17:10. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Why, even Jesus was circumcised too. It says in Luke chapter 22, verse 21, um, and in the end of the eight days, when he, when he was circumcised, he was called Yeshua, Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So circumcision actually began as a good thing. How then did it become something that began to point towards paganism than the grace of God? When did that happen? <clears throat> you see, it happened actually not in the New Testament, not when the Pharisees showed up. It happened even way before. You see that with David and Saul, when Saul tells David, if you want to marry my daughter, I want a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. It became a show of power. It became a show of, you know, um, hurting someone. It really didn't stand out as a covenant, as a sign of a covenant. From the early days itself, it, it had lost its meaning. But over here, we see that in the New Testament church, the practice had become the principle, and it took away from a personal relationship, and that's when it became a problem. I said this, when your works outweigh the blood of Jesus, you have a broken system. Today, in American Christianity, we don't have people forcing circumcision on the people of the church. At least, not that I've heard of. I don't know. <clears throat> But this is what we have going on. Okay? See, in the early church, they said, hey, listen, man, if you're a new believer, well and good, we're so happy you received Jesus, but listen, it's unloving for you to be uncircumcised to the unbelieving Jews. Tracking with me. It's like, listen, it's unloving for you to actually flaunt your freedom, okay? because there are some that are circumcised, and we want them to come to know Jesus, so why don't you just get circumcised so that it'll be a loving thing to do? Okay? Okay? You're tracking with me. And in today's world, we'll say, hey, listen, man, it's very unloving for you to open the church. You've got to shut the church. It's very, it's very unloving to those who need to hear the gospel. You've got to shut the church down so that the gospel will go out. Broken system. Fear-mongering. Bullying. That's what it is. Watch out. Please watch out and pray for me as a pastor because I'm always sensing this and God is always showing this to me. The gospel is changing very, very, very fast. People are acting like they're being loving, but they're actually being cowards and don't want to get up and preach the gospel. They don't want to preach repentance. They don't want to preach standing firm on the gospel. And they're actually 
literally quite walking away from the call that God has called them to. Pulpits are vacant and empty right now. We're not created to touch people through the screens of a phone or a computer. We're called to touch people in, in, in body, in flesh. Jesus went and healed the lepers. Jesus went into Samaria, but no one would, would like to go. We cannot conform to the world into fear. We cannot do that. We cannot give into a broken system. A broken system will not produce essential joy. And I'm telling you, you will be persecuted. And that's why the book of Philippines is good. Even when you're being persecuted, your life is being poured as an offering. Rejoice because no one can take the joy away from you. Am I talking to anyone this morning? Number three, and finally, my brothers. <laughs> we not only remember the gospel, we not only reject the broken system, but you got to learn to rejoice in the gospel. You have to learn to rejoice in the gospel. Hey, you got to learn to rejoice in the gospel. Man, when you go back home and sickness comes, Man, crank that music up that talks about the gospel and dance to it, man. Clap your hands in the shower and be like, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. You've got to teach yourself to rejoice from the gospel. The only way that I can still say sane is because there are times when I know I just need to go, go for a drive because it's too cold to ride my motorcycle and I've got to preach the gospel to myself and learn to rejoice in the gospel. That's why I like hymns like that, like, you know, sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. Sometimes I just got to linger on that. He washed me. I don't care what the world says. He washed me. I don't care how much you judge me. He washed me. Hateful text, but he washed me. You think that I'm dying in my sin, but he washed me. You got to learn to rejoice in the gospel. Believers, listen, you come here every single Sunday and you want me to preach a message to you, but you need to learn to preach to yourself during the week. And I will gladly come and when I see you down and depressed, I will come and encourage you and share the gospel with you. And you can come back depressed again on a Sunday. But on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you got to learn to preach the gospel to yourself. And if it's not helping, go back and listen to these podcasts, man. Go back and listen to these messages and ask God to teach you to be joyful in the gospel. In fact, whenever things go haywire, when that check engine light comes out on your car, okay, and you're like, oh, what in the world? Or you're standing there at the checkout line wondering if your credit card would actually go through. Teach yourself to rejoice in the gospel. The gospel's been under a lot of attack from the beginning. And it stood the test of time. And it stood the test of time not because of circumcision. It stood the test of time not because of legalism. It stood the test of time not because of good Bible colleges. Okay, in fact, I don't call them seminaries. I call them cemeteries. Okay? The Bible has stood the test of time. The gospel stood the test of time because of believers like you and me who held fast to the gospel of grace and have constantly rejected the broken system. The gospel is alive because of believers who are active and alive. And we've got to continue in, that same, in, in, in that, that, that same journey of rejoicing in the gospel and keeping this message alive. We've got to repent from our broken systems and learn to rejoice in Jesus. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision. Very interesting choice of words, Paul. For we are the Paul doesn't say for you are the circumcision or I am the circumcision. He says for we are the circumcision. And he's writing to uh, the church in Philippi that has Gentiles, that has people like Aphroditus. Dude's an idol worshiper, grew up in an idol worshiping home, came to know Jesus, is a Gentile, still hasn't changed his name. In his name, he's got the name of a Greek goddess. And he says, for we are the circumcision. It's almost like Paul, this, this Pharisee, this rabbi, is putting his hands around the Samaritans and the Gentiles and, and prostitutes and says, for we are the circumcision. Isn't that beautiful? Because he points something out. He says, this mutilation of the flesh, the, the, please listen to me. The, I, I think this is very important. The draw to embrace a broken system is not for your salvation. It is for identification. It's for identity. 
You see, as a believer, when you go out in the world, you're going to be singled out. You're going to be alone. Anybody in your workplace are singled out because of the gospel? Annie, I was hoping a loud amen. Yeah, there we go. Just because you're a believer, you're going to be singled out. Okay? Just because you're a believer, in your family, you're going to be singled out. And, and, and this, this, this lore to, to embrace a broken system is they, they'll say, you are saved. We believe you're saved. But, but come identify with us. Come be one of us. And Paul says, listen, we are the circumcision. And I love how he says how we're united. It's beautiful. We're, the, we're not united because of mutilation or circumcision. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. If you're ever wondering what a Christian is, who is a Christian? Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Those who worship by the Spirit of God, glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Here the word that he uses is not catatomy of mutilation. He says peritomy. We're the peritomy. We are the real circumcision. Crazy, man. He's saying, Ephroditus, you're an idol worshiper, but you really are the child of Abraham. Joel, you're this crazy, cussing, brown pastor. You really are the child of Abraham. You white person over here who's, you know, <laughs> grown up in a Baptist church with suits and ties. Oh, sorry, I'm spitting. Uh, but you, because of embracing the grace of God, you really are the child of Abraham. Not those who are mutilated in the flesh, but those who have given their life to Jesus, who have surrendered, whose blood has covered and washed them clean. We are the real circumcision. And Paul is really cool. He says, I, will, I, I join the Gentile believers because they are the children of Abraham. I am a child of Abraham, not because of generation and genealogy, but because of the grace of God. We are the circumcision. As you go out into the world, there's going to be the temptation for you to identify with the crowd because always going to be the majority versus the minority. And as believers, as the time comes, the remnant is going to be very small. But please don't give up. Don't conform. Reject broken systems and embrace the gospel of grace. And look at this. There was a warning even in the Old Testament in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 25, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. This is God who said it. He's a promise keeper. He's a promise maker. And he keeps his promise. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. Those who follow the outward sign of religion, they will be punished. Heaven is going to be full of people who are sinners. Full of sinners who embrace the grace of God. They're not going to be righteous people running around. Righteous people will be in hell. Because they, they, they were leaning on their righteousness. Heaven is going to be full of sinful people who embrace the grace of God, who didn't embrace a broken system. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014, Eagle, Idaho, 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store. 